This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley, and on our program today, we are talking about the 1%. No, not the 1% you might perceive controlling all of the wealth, but the 1% of African Americans who donate blood. Yeah, that means 99% of African Americans do not donate blood. Why? We're going to ask that question. What can it be used for? Well, of course, it can be used to save lives, especially the lives of African-Americans who are living to manage sickle cell anemia. Joining us in the studio today are Beverly Carricker and Tierney Bell. Beverly's the mom, Tierney's the daughter. Tierney's got a great story to tell, and Beverly, later on before we're done, has an amazing challenge for those of you in our listening audience. And also joining us is Kim Edwards. She's the district director of Life South Community Blood Centers. And you're thinking, I've seen that, I've heard of that, but I don't know enough about about it. Well, hopefully those questions today are going to be answered. And I'm going to start with you, Kim. Life South Blood Centers. Most people think, I give blood to the Red Cross. Don't you guys get it also? Absolutely. We are similar to the Red Cross in that we are a, a local community blood center. We're collecting blood for the metro Atlanta area. Um, we have three regions that collect. We're collecting over 700 units of blood weekly to service the hospitals here in metro Atlanta. We service 25 plus hospitals. Some as their primary supplier, other as a secondary supplier. What is the difference between Life South and the American Red Cross, which has a local chapter here in Metro Atlanta? So I would say the biggest difference is part of our name, community. We are community-minded. We are here to provide for com- people in our own community. So the blood that we collect here is staying here in the Metro Atlanta area to help my family, your family, my neighbors, your neighbors. You shocked me with the statistic before we began with the 1% that only 1% of African Americans give blood. Why is that? It is shocking. I think it's mainly because of education. People don't realize they expect the blood to be on the shelf when they go to the hospital or are going to need blood. They just expect it to be there. People don't realize that Blood cannot be reproduced in a laboratory. It has to be donated from one person to the next. So you have to be able to give. The other thing is for sickle cell, um, it's not just your blood type. It's the antigen markers that are in your blood. Someone who has sickle cell, you're matching that to that person. Um, So it would be of of, um, similar race would need to be donated to someone who has sickle cell because it is a a mainly African-American disease that they fight that sickle cell. And tyranny, that's what you're, you're battling, correct? Uh-huh, correct. I um, have a chronic illness, sickle cell. Of course, you're born with the illness. Uh, my mom and my father were both um, have sickle cell trait, so that's how I am the child with sickle cell. And um, each month, I'm getting transfused, so I definitely need those blood uh, donations in order to get the transfusions, which allow me to manage this illness on a daily basis. Tierney, how old were you when you were diagnosed with sickle cell? Um, According to my mom, I was about six months um, at the age when she knew I had sickle cell. I had my first crisis, what they call a pain crisis uh, for sickle cell at six months. Mom Beverly, tell me about that. Well, when she was six, she was, when she was born, um, she had a test done, but she didn't have her first crisis until she was six months. And I took her to the hospital and they told me that she was diagnosed with sickle cell disease. And um, she was hospitalized for about a month, and that's when I was educated on sickle cell disease and what would happen through her throughout her life, that she would need regular blood transfusions. She would go through pain crisis, 
and the different medications she would need to take to sustain life. Now, Tierney said that you and her father carry the trait, but neither of you has sickle cell disease, correct? Correct. Are there others in your family, elsewhere in the family, who are like Tierney, who got sickle cell? No. Everyone in my family only have a trait. So I never thought about it, never gave it a second thought, did never you, knew much about sickle cell disease. So you didn't know you had the trait until she was diagnosed with it, correct? Correct. Never was educated about it. In school, we knew about it. We were educated about it. But you never give it much consideration until it's you. Until it happens to you, you never think much about it. Most people don't think much about it until it happens to you. Tierney, how old are you now? I'm 32. So you've been dealing with this all your life. Oh, yeah. Uh In and out of the hospital, different visits, um, keeping up with school assignments on hospital beds, medications, uh, several surgeries. Also, getting, like my mom said, getting the transfusions um, regularly. And now, as an adult, I get it almost um, every four weeks. This clearly has been difficult for you? Yeah, it's uh, difficult to manage, I guess, you know, with working full-time jobs, living a regular full-time, you know, regular adult life. It definitely does take time out of your schedule. It definitely is something that you have to maintain. But I don't think without the blood transfusions, I would be as healthy as I am today or I will have the quality of life that I do have today. And because of the transfusions that you've been able to receive largely with donations provided through Life South, you've had a, gr- a much greater quality of life, you're saying. Oh, yes, definitely. I was able to go off to college, did wonderful at uh, Xavier University in Louisiana. So I got transfusions when I was there. Then I returned home, uh, did my education here at Morehouse School of Medicine, got an MPH. In public health and you know I had to let all my professors know hey I get transfused once a month so I'll miss one Friday every month and even with co-workers or any jobs that I've I've received over the past they all know that I go and get these transfusions once a month. Now is that something that you disclose voluntarily upon the times that you were interviewing for work when you were going to school and of course going to class when you were a student or did were you required to and did that at any time impede your ability to reach your personal and professional goals? Well, no, it um, it didn't it didn't impede it because it was my mindset that I wanted to achieve these goals. Um, my best advice to people dealing with sickle cell anemia is to be open and communicate with people, with your professors, with bosses, with anyone, because you need that support. Um, so whenever I would, you know, once I got accepted to Morehouse School of Medicine for public health, after the first day, I would go up to the professors and say, hey, by the way, I have to, I live with sickle cell disease. This is how I maintain it. I go get blood transfusions monthly. And, you know, whenever I'm out, this is why I'm out. Explain pain crises, explain what sickle cell is. And I personally have gotten a great feedback from people when I'm open about my illness and getting blood transfusions. Um, And now when I work, I actually, you know, after the job interview, I get the position. I go straight to the boss and say, hey, this is what I have to do monthly. Did your diagnosis of sickle cell disease impact your decision to get a master's in public health? It definitely did. Tell me about that. (laughs) So initially, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to be a hematologist to help everybody with sickle cell. (laughs) (laughs) And you figured out how much that costs and how long you'd be in school. Exactly. It costs millions of dollars (laughs) and almost 12 years out of your life for school. 
So I had the opportunity when I was at Xavier to do a public health uh, program, or it was like a dual program with Xavier and Tulane. So I was able to take some public health courses at Tulane, and that opened my horizons in public health, and I just fell in love with it. So when I got accepted to Morehouse School of Medicine, of course, I returned home to, you know, do whatever I can to bring awareness to sickle cell and other diseases in public health. And that's how I my road to public health began. And so how have you put the degree to work? Exactly what are you doing these days? Oh, now I'm a life scientist with the Environment Protection Agency. So I am using my public health degree for um, air pollution, air quality, making sure um, all those southeast region states are in great uh, air quality. And that's so important for public health and the environment. Ms. Beverly, how difficult or how much of a challenge has it been for you raising a daughter with sickle cell disease? Oh, hard, hard. (laughs) (laughs) Missing days of work, sleep, 32 years has been a long, hard road. And without people giving blood, it was hard. I missed a lot of work, a lot of vacation time. It was hard. Mm -hmm. I have three kids, um, one older daughter, one younger son, one with sickle cell trait, one with sickle cell disease, one without anything. Um, I had a lot of help, though, Mm -hmm. a lot of help. What do you mean? Family members, um, teachers. Preachers, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people around me to help me, um, and a lot of people out there that were giving blood, but a lot of people that were not giving blood, um, just a lot of support, a big support system. I had a big support system out there, and it was hard, but we made it 32 <laughs> years. Tierney, for the listeners who have heard of sickle cell disease, are aware of it, know that it is, it is primarily in the African-American community. You've lived with it for 32 years now, but folks may not exactly understand what that means beyond the treatment. Can you take us through a pain crisis? I mean, what does that mean? Okay. Um, So I guess uh, usually when I'm overexerted or stressed or um, anything out of my normal schedule, I began to feel very fatigued. Uh, my eyes become extremely jaundiced, and I, I find myself doing less and less activity because I know my pain crises are about to come on. And sometimes there you can there you can kind of get over them by drinking a, plenty of water, getting plenty of rest. Well, most times they're inevitable. You will have to go to the doctor and get seen. So I, I get treatment at Grady Health System Healthcare, and so I go to Grady. And they do, uh, which Grady has an awesome sickle cell program. They do an eight-hour treatment, acute care. So you go get checked in, and they'll give you fluids via IV, and they'll give you morphine for pain. Because with sickle cell, your cells are not um, a donut shape like a normal blood, red blood cell, but they're sickle, which is like a crescent moon shape. So when those sickle cells are going through any vessel, any blood vessels in your body, they can become clumped in your your um, extremities or your organs or your head anywhere. It, you're very achy, and so once I once that come on, sometimes the medication at home doesn't work, and you have to go in for those um, heart of main pain medications in a, a, a different regimen. And so usually I stay there for eight hours in the acute care center. Um, They give me the pain meds. They give me the fluids. And if eight hours I feel better, I can go home. But if I have anything like a fever or if I have um, any infection, if my white blood count is um, extremely high, then they will have to 
admit me into the hospitals. And so usually, I, you know, if I am admitted, I was the last admission that I had was in October of 2016. And so I was in there for like on and off for three weeks. And it was, you know, brought on by a lot of stress, a lot of exertion. And so I had to get the blood transfusion um, during that time. And then I also had to get the pain medicine and also the fluids. So that regimen kind of helps. Um, but it can last from eight hours, like I said, or it can last all the way from three weeks to a month. How common are these pain episodes for you? Um, as I've gotten older, I've learned my body. I've learned my limitations. So when I was younger, they were very um often really often and then when I got to college and I wasn't doing the right thing <laughs> you know typical college student going out with friends staying out all night not resting as I should they were more often so when I figured out my triggers then they're less often like I said two years ago was the last tra- um, chronic ep- pain episode I had and before that it was probably three years before that Okay. so as I'm getting older I'm learning my body more and more and I know the tr- Transfusions are very important, so I don't miss a transfusion appointment. And those are every four weeks. Every four weeks, yes. And it takes a day. Takes, yeah. So, mother, how are you, how proud of you? How proud are you of how your daughter has managed this illness? I oh. see you tearing up over there because <laughs> I know this is hard. Oh, You're so proud, good to come in. Very proud because I say if tyranny can do it with a disease, there are so many doing it without not doing it and they don't have a disease. Tierney is a fighter. Uh, she told me, Mom, I'm going to college. I said, Tierney, you can't go to college. You have sickle cell. She said, what they got to do with it? <laughs> and so everybody, um, Dr. Mason of Morehouse Medical told me, okay, Tierney, what are you going to do? She said, he's, Tierney said, I'm going to college. I'm going to college, Dr. Mason. <laughs> and Dr. Mason came to me and said, Tierney want to go to college. I said, Tierney's got sickle cell. She can't go to college, Dr. Mason. <laughs> and he said, I got a check for her. Get her to the door. And I said, Dr. Mason, she got sickle cell. He said, get her to the door. I got the check. And I said, okay, Dr. Mason. I, and he and I took her to college. And uh, he said, I said, Dr. Mason, she going to be okay? He said, I got her from here. So I want to shout out to him what he told me. He told me, I got the check. Just get her to the door. He wrote the check. Mm-hmm. I got her to the door. And here we are. So I want to shout out to him. And Grady has did an excellent job with her. And without those transfusions, we wouldn't be here. Without that blood, we would not. I promise you, we would not be here. And people go about their everyday life not knowing how important those blood transfusions are or giving blood are. Just wait till the middle of the night when you get that phone call and their blood is not there. And people then you don't have understand. to wait. You have to wait. And, oh. and your baby is in that room waiting on one pint of blood. And it only takes 30 minutes for a pint of blood. And it's your baby. It's hard. And I can it's see it. Hard. I mean, both of you are just so emotional. It's going to be hard. <laughs> so when Tyranny came and said, so, Mom, I went to college. I got a degree. I came home. I got my master's degree. Now I'm going to go to L.A. for a little bit and be on TV and do a show <laughs> called The Love Connection. <laughs> you didn't have any problem letting her out of the door for that, did you? Tyranny, please, you done took me through it. I've been through it. Tyranny, I done did everything to keep you on this side. <laughs> she said, Mom, I'm going to L.A. I said, again, Tyranny. Tyranny, just hold on, hold on. Let me catch my breath. I done caught up. And now you're going to L.A.? You did the show last season. You won the show last season. There is a story there. Please tell us. One, what made you want to do it? Two, 
How did you do it? And okay. then three, how did you win? And I got to follow up after those. <laughs> okay. So a friend of mine um, from college, we used to work together at Chase Bank, and she um, always wanted to be a video in video production. And so she always did dating shows once she graduated from um, school. And she called me and said, hey, I, I, gotta, um, I got something for you. And I'm like, okay. And she says, well, I think you'll be awesome for this new show. And she kind of slightly interviewed me over the phone. And I didn't know her producer was on the phone. <laughs> and so I was very candid. And he said, I love her personality. So he called me back. And I interviewed again via Skype. And I was selected. Um, it was thousands of people that applied for Love Connection. And so I didn't know it was Love Connection at first. I just thought it was a dating show. And it was, you know, exciting time to be on TV and do something fun. So I, um, the producers actually flew to Atlanta. And so when they flew to Atlanta, I had to plan a date for the guy. And so I planned this uh, date where we went and did, um, what did we do? Oh, we went up to dinner. We did an escape room. We went to the Phillips Arena for a basketball game. And so me and him really hit it off and we connected. But you don't know if they if the person chose you or not. So we had to fly out to L.A. We did the show out in L.A. Um, for um, it, it was five days actually out in L.A. And when I get out there, they were like, well, if he picks you, you know, you get an overnight stay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I got the overnight stay. He actually did pick me. And uh, we had a great time. But, I mean, it didn't work once I got home. But it was a great experience. Met Andy Cohen. Got to fly out there. They gave us $1,000 for the spa. We did couples massages. It was great. Did was you take great. mom with you while you were out there? Oh, no. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was in L.A. by myself for five days. It was an awesome experience. But so you made the love connection, and then yeah. it it just sort of broke off. Yeah, he wasn't. We didn't really mesh at once we got home. He was a little more arrogant than I like, or more arrogant to me. <laughs> but um, we just kind of broke it off, and it it was still a fun, exciting time, exciting experience. Did your sickle cell disease weigh in in any way? in that experience it didn't um like i said i i am now 32 so i know what triggers my body like i knew i was flying out to la so i did the you know increase my water intake rest more often made sure i was okay with payments i, I always travel with some kind of pain medication because you never know when you have a flare-up um so I, I made the proper precautions i think my transfusion was maybe three days before the show and um, before i went flew out to la and then i you know, my you were good and strong. Were, you were yeah, ready. I was so you ready. were gonna make this connection. So ready. <laughs> but it was a great time, and my uh, my employers were so excited. So they actually gave me the time off. So I was so excited to go out there. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to you, Kim, talking again about because I'm struck by the fact that only one percent of African Americans donate blood, and when we hear mom and tyranny and what a wonderful story and how she is so delightful and so energetic and so managing this disease so well we need more people like her how can our audience help you get the people to create more tyrannies and give some peace of mind to moms like beverly absolutely. oh uh, absolutely um, we need more donors to hear your story we do patient stories on our website, lifesouth.org. There's plenty of patient stories where we're trying to get the word out to explain to people what patients like you go through in order to why it's so important for them to donate. What people don't realize is how many people do have sickle cell. 
one in 365 people have sickle cell. So it's not like one in a million or one in two million. It's it's a lot of people that this affects on a daily basis. So we do an education piece where we actually go out and teach people not just about sickle cell, but about blood donation, the process, what blood does in your body, what red cells do for your body. Your body can't function. Your organs can't function without that oxygen moving around your body. So we're constantly trying to educate people in the community. And I really think that's the key is educating people on why it's so important to donate blood because anybody, any of us today in this room could go out onto the highway and need blood. One in three people that enter into a hospital need a blood transfusion. So it's critical that people understand that message. So Kim, let's do a little rapid fire education right now. How long does it take to donate a pint of blood? I would say on average, it takes 35 to 40 minutes. Does it hurt? The, it It's a little pinch, I'll say. The, the needle going in your arm for the donation is less painful than actually getting your hemoglobin, to believe it or not. We do a, a small mini physical prior and we have to make sure that the donor is safe to donate. Um, and part of that is to get your hemoglobin level. So we have to prick your finger. That, to me, hurts a little more than the actual needle going in your arm. Who can and who cannot donate blood? So that's another misconception out there into the community is people think, for example, diabetics. They think, oh, I can't donate. I'm a diabetic. Yes, you can. People who might have high blood pressure think they can't. Or different medications. The medication list is really small. So we just have to go through that process first to determine if you're eligible, and then most people can donate. If the listeners don't remember anything else, you said it's relatively painless, takes less than an hour. I'm sure you've got juice and cookies after it's over. We do. (laughs) And a recognition item. We give away a recognition item, which is a T-shirt, an umbrella, something to appreciate the donor for coming in and giving up their time. Tierney, if you had one thing to tell people, because you live this life and have for more than 30 years. What is it you want them to remember about you, your story, and why you want them to help? I would definitely want the listeners to know without blood donations, I would not have the quality of life that I have. Um, Getting those transfusions have allowed me to manage this illness that I didn't ask for, that I just, you know, came into the world with. And with those donations, I'm able to do something like as, extra, as awesome as Love Connection or, you know, become a public health practitioner. Um, so those blood transfusions really do give someone a quality of life. And Mama Beverly, what do you want people to do to, so that other mothers like you have greater peace of mind? Because you've, you've struggled with this over, over Tierney's life. 32 years. <laughs> I want y'all to know that giving blood 30 minutes out of your life for one month can help somebody. 30 minutes, 30 minutes can help one mother. 30 minutes, just take one minute. Just take 30 minutes out of your life to help another family. 30 minutes, that's all it takes, 30 minutes. Don't wait till it happens to you. Or somebody Don't you know. Don't wait until it's your turn, and you will get a turn. You're a family, as long as you live, you'll get a turn. Don't wait till it's your turn. I tell everybody, don't wait until it's your turn. Kim, how can people find a place to go and give blood today, tomorrow, sometime this week at one of the LifeSouth Community Blood Centers? Sure. If you go to LifeSouth.org, there is a blood mobile locator on there. It can pick up your location and tell you where the nearest blood mobile is in the hours of that blood drive. The other thing LifeSouth.org gives you is where our centers are located. We have three drawing site centers 
one in Dunwoody, one in McDonough, and one in Gainesville, Georgia. Has the hours of operation for all of those. We're open seven days a week. Kim Edwards, District Director for Life South Community Blood Centers, thank you very much for being here. Tierney, Ms. Beverly, thank you for being so open and so emotional and so raw and for sharing your story. Yeah, Mama says, it could be you. It could be somebody you know. You don't know. Be educated. What did you say? 30 minutes? 30 minutes. Once a month? <laughs> Once a month. And we get great people like you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Silva. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.